Welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution Podcast, where women are magical and empowered. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Monday, psychologist turned transformational feminine business coach. This podcast is for you if you want to prioritize your own pleasure, face your fears, and manifest your desires. This podcast is sponsored by the Fearless Feminine Academy, where I teach women how to turn their trauma into their superpowers. My goal is to show women that we can heal our world by creating time and financial freedom by doing whatever the fuck we want. Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. I'm so honored that you're here. Hey, everybody. I would love to introduce you to Kelly, and I'm just going to have you do like a brag intro is how I always kick off the podcast. Oh, just like go with the brags? Go with the brags and tell us all about you. Okay. Um, I'm Kelly Mahalik. I brag that I am a business coach and embodiment mentor. Um, I brag that I help my clients get to 10K months with ease and pleasure. I brag that I am also a single mom of three daughters who I'm homeschooling. We're going into our ninth year. So we are old pros at this. None of this is new to us. Um, Jeez. You caught me off guard there with the brags. Um, I brag that like I overcame a lot to get here and to get to this point in my business. Um, and I brag that that gives me so much experience and understanding and empathy with my clients because like I know it was not, I can, I can help troubleshoot all the issues because I probably went through all the issues myself. <laughs> I love that trial by fire <laughs> moment. I think that definitely does make the best coaches for sure. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your backstory. You know, usually what I find is people really have to overcome a lot of fears to get to the point where they're like in full embodiment of their, you know, sovereign priestess self. So like, tell me, where did you start? What did you overcome? I mean, I started as a stay-at-home mom um, in... And I was in the process of getting a divorce. I had played around. So, okay. Rewind back to my very first business that I started eight and a half years ago now, um, where I was a birth doula. And so I did, yeah. So I did birth work for years and years and years. I actually did that until 2017. So I did birth work for about five years and that business, while it was an offline business, the work I did all of my marketing and everything was like fully online. It was all organic marketing. I just like found people through the internet and things like that. I was not out there um, even like really networking offline a lot. Like it was mostly just all online. And so I had that experience and then, but I was having babies. I was creating my own family during those years, during those five years. Um, and so I also kind of got into network marketing a little bit to help with like the lulls or when I was in a period where I just had a baby and I had an infant who was nursing. So like I couldn't take off for an unknown amount of time to be with a laboring mom. And I actually did really well with network marketing. I like kind of like soared right up into leadership ranks within like the first couple of months of joining my company. And it was just a really easy thing for me. But what I found during that process was that I didn't love like slanging product. Mm -hmm. Like that was the part I really, really didn't like and tried to get around. But what I did really love was helping other women build their businesses and helping them succeed and figure out what their plan was and how come up with the strategies, how they were going to get their sales and how they were going to book parties and all of those things. And I really loved that part of it. I loved being in the leadership of it. And I loved being able to go and speak at, you know, like team events and all of that and be in more of the leadership role. And I continued doing that until I was in the middle of a divorce and I had been mostly a stay at home mom, you know, because even as a doula, that was always like a part-time passion gig. It was not something that I was ever even attempting to do on like a full-time basis. It was something that I really loved doing and I got to work it around and I got to take as many, you know, a small amount of clients that still allowed me to be a stay at home mom but that also allowed me to do something that I loved. 
And so when I was getting divorced, I had like no degree, no job history, really. Um, the doulaing didn't last very long because it's very hard to be on call when you have, my babies were, I think I had a nine month old at this time, a two year old and like a six year old. And so like getting a call at 3am that a mom's in labor was being on call caused me so much anxiety and like, I couldn't even handle it. So that didn't last very long. So I couldn't do that anymore. Um, the network marketing was good, but it wasn't going to be enough. And everyone was like, well, I guess you got to go get a job. And I was like, fuck that. <laughs> do we swear here? Are we swearing yeah, people? Okay. Oh my God. Okay. I, I just love, uh, you know, your story because I think a lot of times people start with passion projects. I can't even think back to like when I was like working, um, you know, like food service jobs through college to put myself through college, like they were all small businesses. And so I was there for a reason. I was learning how to run a small business. And I think so many people start with one or two kind of passion projects before they really land on what's going to be like their real business. And so I feel like it's just so important to like validate that this is such an important part of the process and that like you learn so many powerful lessons along the way. Yeah, definitely. And there are still so many ways how even like that birth work and that doula work, like find their way into my business now. And so many things that I learned there that carried over for sure. Um, and I always say like, I'm like, basically I'm doing the same thing, except instead of helping women like literally birth babies, I'm helping them birth their dreams and like help them birth their dream life. But it's like essentially very similar work. Um, but so yeah, everyone is like, Oh, I guess like, what are you going to do? Like, that's going to be really crazy. And I had like two kids who weren't even school age who were going to need daycare. And like when I ran the numbers, I'm like, it doesn't even make sense for me to get a job. Like it doesn't make sense because what I'm going to go get a job for like nine or $10 an hour, it's going to cost more than that to get two kids in daycare. I'm going to be like in the hole and be working 40, 50, 60 hours a week to like, just try and get by probably still have to be on welfare. Right. Which like, no shame in that if that's like where your life is, takes you and that's like your situation. But I was like, so I'm going to have to like work my life away and then still not have to be on like government support. And I was like, that seems crazy. There has to be another way. And I also really had had this dream for my life, right? I was married. I had three kids. We had just moved into our like dream house in our dream neighborhood. Like I had high hopes for my life and the idea that all of that crumbled because my marriage wasn't working and that I had to give up all the ideas I had of homeschooling my kids because I, my oldest, I was, was of school age and I had been homeschooling her for years at this point. Um, and raising my kids, I had my kids so that I could actually be with them, not so that I could send them away, you know, and have like other people raising them. And again, like, there's no shame in like, if that's your life, but for me, I was like, I had built my life this certain way and I wasn't willing to give it all up just because my marriage wasn't working. So I was like, there has to be a new way. So everyone thought I was crazy. Literally, I don't think one person in my actual life, in my life supported me and like thought was like, yes, what you're doing is, is the exact right thing to do, Kelly. Like you go on, tell me how I can support you. Everyone was like waiting for it to all like fall apart and like thought that I was crazy. I'm pretty sure. At least that's how it felt on my end is that I was like, fully unsupported and nobody got it. Well, that's actually like the most common thing that I've heard is that a lot of people walked away from corporate. Um, you know, for me, what I was resonating with, with your story is like, I did natural birth and I, my background is a psychologist. So I was like basically in grad school, all of my twenties. And then, you know, that biological clock's like kind of ticking at a certain point. Yeah. So my business took off right as I got pregnant and I was like, I'm not willing to miss out on this whole motherhood piece. And so I, I love what you're saying because there is a better way. And I feel like power to the mompreneur because like, you know, to be able to spend time like homeschooling your kids or being present for your family, like that raising like beautiful whole kids is like how we're going to get to world peace, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Like the way we're going to build the world that we want to exist is through the next generation of, of people, right? Like it's too late for our, for like us even, right? Like the most we can offer is to help, you know, really that's what's going to create a whole new world yeah. is the way we raise our kids. And, and I'm very aware of that. And I wanted to raise my kids, you know, a certain way. And I had certain ideals and I kind of refused to give that up. So I just really locked into my vision mm 
Mm. And I like went hard at it and it was messy as hell. It did not like, I do not have one of these like really cool, like I, I decided and I locked it in. And then like in the next year I made $200,000, like not at all. Well, I think that's I, refreshing to hear because that is like the coaching fairy tale myth, I think. So yeah. like, tell us all the messy. I went on the internet. Know. I went on the internet. I said a couple things. I made a website and then I was a millionaire. And now I like live on the beaches of Bali. Like <laughs> that was not what happened to me. My story is really unsexy, right? It's tell full us of like pain. That's inspiring, you know, because I think... Um, it's like the get rich quick schemes, you know, and, and myself included, like I already had a successful business and I threw like way too much money into coaching and it's still taking time. So like, you know, I feel like it's a little bit where we get into that, like coercion to just like build up this fantasy that like may or may not be true. I think ultimately it can be true. Um, but you kind of got to get in right with the right coach, the right program. You got to stick with it. So like, tell us your, yeah. And I'm not saying that like the people that have those stories that like their bullshit or their lies, like those are their stories. And that's really great. There's typically, I have found to be a little bit of like, um, there's like information missing typically in those stories, like that they had blogs where they already, or were in network marketing and had really big audiences already that were, um, they had, um, you know, a partner maybe who was able to afford them like a really great coach who we all know that like, there is a little bit of privilege in some of the coaches that you work with. If you're working with a coach that is well known to be one of the best coaches in the industry, people like there's al already assumptions that are made about you when people know that you're a so like I mean and if that's just like how the world works is like which like in human design is classic line four right like the networking and like getting in with your people and so like there's always information typically missing about those super literal overnight success stories that we don't talk about and even sometimes when I talk about my story in the very condensed version you don't necessarily always get all the messiness because it can look outwardly like we have overnight success. The question is, is how many overnights did that take? Yeah. And like how many, <laughs> what business are you on? Are you on the fourth business? You know, cause I think right, exactly. there's that saying like 10 years, hard work, overnight success. And usually when people jump onto your audience, a lot of times, unless they're early adopters, like they've been with you for a while or, you know, when you jump in on the overnight success part, you know, you don't see the 10 years hard work piece. Exactly. And so like when I first decided to do this, I obviously had like no income coming from coaching. My first course was like a one month um like challenge that I charged like $47 for or something like that. <laughs> and I did it was like I think it was called like no ex was it no excuse November and it was just like an accountability and like gratitude and like mindset type group that I ran for 30 days and it was like $47 and it was mostly like my friends who were just supporting me because they wanted to help me um but that was definitely not paying my bills because I think I sold like 10 spots so like <laughs> $500 was not going to cut it as a single mom uh and I so I cleaned Airbnbs I managed an Airbnb and like went and like washed sheets and like cleaned the toilets in between stays I babysat my friend's kids because I was at home during the day with my kids. And so it made sense because like everybody won, they got to pay less for daycare and I got to make some money. I did promotional modeling for liquor companies. So like when you go out to the bar and like, there's like the Jack Daniels girl who gives you like a free shot and a pair of golf socks, like that was me and like working at like golf invitations and, you know, um, parties and events, like giving away swag and liquor, like on the weekends when my kids are with their dad, like I hustled to make it happen. And it was still a grind. And there was a certain point where it was just getting too hard. And I ended up having to do the thing that we all is everyone's biggest fear in coaching. And I moved with my three kids back into like my childhood home with my parents with my mother. Um, and I'm so grateful for her that she did that, but like, it was not the ideal circumstance for any of us. Right. 
Um, she's an, an empty nester and was used to having her house to herself. And here I come uh -huh. with my three little kids who make a lot of noise and a lot of mess. Um, and, you know, that's what I hear. Like, number one, if people are like, oh my gosh, if I like go all in on my business, like, and it doesn't work, like I'm going to lose everything. And then like, I'll have to go back home or whatever. And that was my story. And for me, that was like, Katrina Ruth always says like, you have to like do what it takes for as long as it takes until it takes. And like, literally that was part of like what it took for me it was like having to be so dedicated that like, I didn't even care. I didn't care where I was doing it. I didn't care like what any of that meant. And I really had to work through mindset wise, what that story meant about me. And so we had to stay there for about a year while I continued to build things up until I got to a place where I felt confident to move out. And even then I was like barely getting by like from month to month. And like, I just kept doing it even when it looked like it wasn't working, even when it was a struggle, even when I would have like a month where I would get a lot of sales and then a month where I would have like almost no sales. Right. Until it finally like clicked in and became consistent. I think that's amazing because, you know, a lot of times we like make ourselves wrong or beat ourselves up or say like, oh, this isn't working. And obviously mindset wise, like that can manifestation wise can really um, inhibit when we don't like fully commit. But I think having like a realistic view that like, just like any business, it takes time to build. Do you have any like tips for like kind of conquering that fear or just like telling a different narrative around it? Well, I mean, I think it's important to remember that like, no matter, the question is always comes down to like, is your vision bigger than your bullshit? Mm, oh my God. I love like, that. That's forever what it's going to be. And you're going to get the result of like, whatever it is you're committed to. Are you committed to your vision to do what it takes for however long it takes until it takes? Because the reality is, is that like every strategy in every business will work if you work that. Mm -hmm. You get consistent results from consistent effort, whatever that looks like. And the reality is, is that most businesses are not profitable in the first two years. And we think that like, because like there's online business or because other people do. Now, do I recommend that you just like resign yourself to the fact that you're not going to be profitable for two years? No. But if you haven't been profitable thus far, or you've been like barely or like, you know, not quite as profitable as you want to be in your business, that doesn't mean anything. Sometimes that's just business. The only reason why businesses die is because you either run out of money to run them or you give up on them. Mm -hmm. And in online business, there should be, until you're profitable, you should have about zero overhead, right? So you can keep going, even if you can't afford a coach, even if you can't afford the paid version of like a calendar and you have to use the free version that has banners on it or like whatever, like you can get your overhead to almost zero in an online business. So running out of money shouldn't be the problem. So, the, so then the only question left is, are you going to keep showing up until it works? And that's a hundred percent up to you. I think that's so great because, you know, I've run a brick and mortar business for 10 years. And I mean, that's why a lot of times they do go under is because you have like pretty significant overhead. And I think that's why yeah. online is set up really for universal expansion. And it's great for the mompreneur because we can really eliminate that risk piece. And it really is about like, can you just like tolerate, you know, build momentum and can you overcome your fears of visibility? So like, what do you see come up for your clients? Like, did you struggle with being seen? Like, what do you see? I'm a Leo. So I did not. So yeah, you love the attention, huh? So I'm like, everybody look at me yeah, and just tell, Leo me like I, me. tell me that I'm pretty and like, let's just talk about the thing. Um, so visibility is one thing that I work a lot with my clients because that never really was a problem for mm -hmm. me. Um, and I came from a place where prior to my business, I had been doing blogging as well um, in really, really vulnerable. Like I did the most vulnerable thing on the face of the earth. And in 2010, um, I gave birth to a son who was stillborn and mm. I decided like any normal human would that I should start a blog and like grieve publicly. 
Mm. Because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you just put all of like your worst nightmares and like your deepest hurts and grief out in the public? Gosh, you know, like uh, vulnerability is such like a huge piece of what I love and feel so drawn to. And um, having gone through so many working therapy wise with clients who've gone through miscarriages and stillborns, like I feel like just super you know, like honor you for putting that out there because I know moms feel so alone during that process and people yeah. say all the shitty things that you can say when you're grieving and you're trying oh, to I mean, it someone. can be terrible. It yeah. can be really rough. And, but like, for me, that was what made the most sense. I had no real life, like connection to anybody who really understood me. And so I was like, and I had already had a blog and it just like, it made sense. Like it, that just was what felt natural to me. And I actually was able to connect with a whole bunch of other women who were like just as crazy as I was and decided to do the same thing. And also like, but one of the things too about that was that if I did it like that, then people didn't have to come at me all the time and ask me how I was. Like they just got to like read, right? They just got to like go and they got to keep up and like know how I was doing and what I was going through without me really having to like, say the same things over and over and over again. And it actually felt so like much easier in a way. Um, but it was very vulnerable, but I found my way to like a great group of women who we eventually were able to like meet in Texas for a weekend and spend a few days together, um, which then birthed a nonprofit that I was on staff on for six years. Wow. Um, and so, so yeah, so it was like, I had already kind of like shown all of my scars and the worst parts of me, I felt like, um, very vulnerably. So like when I stepped into my business, it, that wasn't something that I really struggled with, but there's obviously parts of my life that like when I moved back in with my mom, I was not like shouting that from the rooftops. Like that didn't feel really great or whatever, but here's the thing. I think that, and this is a, big misconception in online business. Vulnerability and authenticity does not mean that your audience has an all access pass to your entire life. Yeah. You get to have privacy. You get to have things that you don't share because it's nobody's fucking business. And I think it's also very important. And this was a lesson that I've learned over the years that when you're, when you want to be the expert, when you want to be the authority, it is more in service to your clients. Like when I was doing my, my grief blog, that was about me. That blog was truly to be in service to me and my process. But my work now is about being in service to my clients and to my audience. And what is most in service to them is for them to see my journey from my wounds and not my, from my scars and not my wounds. So now I do not often write about things that I'm going through in real time because in real time, it's messy. And I maybe haven't found all of the nuggets yet. And I can be fully authentic and vulnerable without like letting you be a fly on my wall, knowing about everything that I'm going through. And when I'm able to share and teach from my scars, from mm -hmm. when things have healed and when I've been able to process through things, then I can bring a lot of power to the situation that's actually helpful to you so that then you can glean out the good that you can take away from it. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Like you don't want to write about the stuff that's happening it live where you're bleeding out, unless you said like the blog where it was like, you know, you're doing this like healing experiment kind of thing. Right. That was for, that was a hundred percent for me and it had nothing to do with anybody else. Yeah. And like you're saying, you know, to be able to present like the, the transformation piece, you know, but I'm definitely all about the idea that like your mess is your message. And I think, you know, when I worry about that, cause as far as like being a therapist, you know, there's a little bit of this, like, okay, you're supposed to like kind of have it all together. And then I think about Brene Brown and I'm like, she got so famous by going on Ted talk and saying that she had a breakdown. And I think that it's so powerful to like rewrite this narrative to like really just humanize that like everybody suffers, everybody's got issues. Um, I want to do like a program around like, you know, the Me Too movement, like Me Too mental health, because so many people struggle with anxiety and depression. Like it's just universal practically at this point, which kind of has to make you wonder about 
what's going on in our culture that like so many people are experiencing this. Um, but I just love yeah. that you are like so bold with, with sharing, you know, the things that have happened. And I just feel like that's so freaking inspiring. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. And for me, like, I mean, I've had my own histories over the last like couple decades with anxiety and depression, as far as being like diagnosed with clinical depression, with um, generalized anxiety disorder, with panic disorder, um, you know, being on medication, off medication. Like I've had my whole journey with that. And one of the things for me that was the root cause of that was not fully allowing myself and having permission to be me. Yes. And the more I tried to like shrink and sugarcoat and like bend and break and divorce parts of me and that I was like afraid to speak and that I wasn't fully myself, the worse my depression was, the worse my anxiety was and what actually ultimately, and this isn't going to be everybody's story and I know that, but what ultimately like freed me from all of that and not that I don't still have like my moments. And when I do, I have to like check myself on this. Like, where are you hiding? Where are you not being yourself? Because while it feels so scary to step out and allow yourself to really be seen, like that's the most freeing thing you'll ever experience. Gosh, and then the people that like really vibe with that, um, you know, then you found your people and it, I just love that like permission giving um, because women, you know, we get so many messages around like, we've just got this like really small sliver that's okay. That's not, not enough or too much. So like a lot of times women are feeling like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And the minute they step over into like kind of healthy self-esteem, then we're like, I'm too much. I'm taking up too much space. I'm getting too much attention. And so I'm totally a hundred percent with you that I think we silence ourselves. We hide, we do all the things to kind of remain small. And then we wonder why we're not feeling good. (laughs) Right. And it like seems so simple. And it's like, because you are like, you're holding back. Like, and I'm a firm believer that like you are, you were created exactly as you are. I think the the odds of being born exactly you are one in 400 trillion about. One in 400 trillion. Like you are you and you're exactly who you are for a reason. And I find that there's like a little bit of like Elsa in all of us, right? That we have these, these gifts, these things that we're told are bad, we're told are wrong, conceal, don't feel, like don't let them know, right? And those are our superpowers. And when we can like stop trying to hide them and like keep the gloves on and like don't let anyone see that part of us, those are the things we can actually use to show up in the world and to heal others and to heal ourselves and to heal the world. And this is one of the things I use human design for in my business is to help show you that those are the things you're actually supposed to be doing. Like that's when I do human design with my clients um, or I do readings with people, I almost never have anyone be like, oh my God, I never would have guessed that about myself because like, that's not really at least the way I use it. Like what I, what the goal is, but what I hear time and time again, all of the time is like, oh, like I, I have permission to be like that oh, it's okay. I'm actually meant to do that because they've been told their entire lives and been conditioned to feel like these parts of them are weird or bad or wrong. You know, and I see it even in the coaching industry. For the first couple of years, part of what slowed down my business growth was the fact that I couldn't find myself because I was so busy trying to be what I thought I was supposed to be, even within the industry. Because the industry has this very boxed in look of what your business is supposed to look like, what your branding is supposed to look like, what you're supposed to look like, how you're supposed to talk, how you're supposed to teach, how you're supposed to create your containers. And I was following that thinking that what I was missing was the strategy when what I was really missing was full permission to be myself and to step outside of that box that I could be a spiritual teacher and healer. Like I will talk about like, Jesus and the Bible and like we will like go down like these like deep metaphysical like rabbit holes and like really get into all of that but like I will also talk about like pleasure and pussy and right and like what it means to like feel good in your body and like manifestation 
and I can be someone who's deeply spiritual and extremely sensual and overtly sexual on some days when I want to be. And like all of these things are pieces of me and they don't negate one another. So I don't have to like be a sage all dressed in like white with a turban and like no makeup being like very natural, like holy healer lady. Right. But I can do that same work while like wearing my, I call it like work lingerie. Right. Oh my God. I love that. Like, why wouldn't you have like work lingerie that you do all your client calls in? Like, why would you wear real clothes if you don't have to? Um, Right. And like, I get to be both. I get to be all of the things and all of the parts of me. And those don't like cancel each other out. They couldn't because they're all a part of who I am. They're all authentically different pieces of me. And instead of trying to like, keep like the freak in the sheet and like (laughs) the holy girl in church and like the mom over here and like this part of me, instead of trying to separate it and like categorize it and keep it all very segmented, like the thing that actually made my business click and like really take off was when I allowed myself to be all of those things really unapologetically at the exact same time. Oh my God. I love that so much. And you know, like permission for everybody listening to like, you don't have to be like the virgin or the whore. Like, I think this is such a big part of embodiment, (laughs) right? We can own our own pleasure, which I think women are, we're just so taught to like fragment off from that and almost like dissociate from it. And I think- And to I, martyr ourselves. Yes. Oh like, my God. The business gets my life. My kids get my life. My clients get my life. And then like, there's nothing left for us because we've become the martyrs. Yes. So like, did you have some of that? Like, how did you get rid of martyrdom? Cause I feel like, and tell, I want to know what your human design is also. I am a 6'2 emotional manifesting generator. (laughs) Um, So I definitely have like those like mentor vibes in the six line, but like the first 30 years of my life were a shit show because as a six line, you live the first 30 years as a three line, which is the martyr where you're literally living in trial and error and finding all of the things. And then you get to like go up on the roof for what they call the roof for a little while, which is where instead of like, being in the streets, you get to like be up on the roof, like watching everybody else and like gleaning information, which is like where I am now. Um, and then you get to like really step into your, your full energy post 50. Um, so I definitely have that design that allows me to take all the trial and error I've done and all the things that I've experienced and kind of package them and help lead other people through that same stuff. But yeah, I mean, that was really, it was a combination of things. First of all, it was like really doing like that deep spiritual, like beyond mindset work where it was like deeply spiritual and like metaphysical to learn who I was and to own my power and be willing to step into my power. Right. And then also, you know, a lot of it too was like, we can get the thinking right. And this was where I got stuck in my business for so long. I knew all the things in my head. I could and did teach courses on things and I could get other people results because I knew all the things. I knew all the strategy. I knew all the mindset tricks. I was like a fucking expert in my brain. And so this is why like I brand myself a lot now as like an embodiment, an embodied business coach is because I had it all up here and I couldn't bring it down. Mm -hmm. I couldn't bring it down into my body, into my heart into my actual beliefs. I knew it. I had the knowledge. I did not have the full belief. And so I used human design a lot to help me bring it, you know, because when you start living in design, I was living a lot from my open centers. And so I used human design to help me get into my strategy and authority and out of those open centers. Um, and I just really had to keep experimenting and playing with it and pushing the boundaries and getting into the feelings, which is where I use like pleasure and play is like what actually feels fucking good. Right. Um, I'm in the process of deconstructing my one-on-ones right now and like redoing the whole way that I show up in one-on-ones that is like, no one else is doing it the way that I want to do it, but it's what feels so good for me and what actually feels good for my clients. But I'm having to give myself permission to step outside of those boxes and go to places where like, I don't see a lot of people doing things and you have to be willing to make the mistakes and remembering that like, there's really no such thing as mistakes. 
right? Like you're always where you're supposed to be. If you were supposed to be somewhere else, you would be somewhere else. You can't really fuck it up. Like, and that's just, that's a belief that when I, when I really anchored in that, that I couldn't fuck it up, that no matter what, even if it costs me my house and having to move back in with my mom, with my kids. And like, even if it, you know, tanked my business or like, you know, hit my income, like whatever, no matter what the external said, like I couldn't mess it up because I was always getting exactly what I needed, whether that was a lesson or more knowledge or a deeper understanding. And when I stopped being afraid of fucking it up and I got curious as to the possibility of what I could create and I stopped trying to like, I think there's so much in like personal development that is like, place your order with the universe and like, then it will come and like, just like laser in on that exact thing. And for me, especially as a Manny Jen, and I'm a non-specific manifester too in human design, releasing what I think it's supposed to look like mm-hmm. and learning to be in the present moment. And like, how can I, like, what is today for? What is this moment for? How can I suck all of like the life and the marrow out of this moment and out of this day? How can I really show up and be fully present for myself, for my clients, for my kids? What feels amazing to do today? What would feel so good and enlivening? And when I just focus on that, trusting that like, if I do what's right today and then tomorrow I do what's right today again, and then the next day I do what's right for that day that I'm not going to end up somehow like fully off course in some shit show of like a result. If I'm always doing what's right in the moment, I'm always going to end up at the right end point. When you're looking at the end point, you're busy trying to wrestle your way to something. And that's when we get off course. When we start just being where we need to be here and now, that figures itself out. I think that's so huge. And I I love what you said about like having it all up here. I can totally relate to that. And it really is about the embodiment. And that's where people say like, you know, you connect with your higher self or your next level self. And I think the piece that people don't recognize with the manifestation part is it's really all about your emotions. And when we have these big visions, it's because we want to feel the good feelings that go along with those visions. But there's like a total hack, which is just to feel that thing now over like, you know, yeah. a cup of coffee or like an awesome conversation. And like, you don't have to, for me, like I checked all the boxes, you know, like I got a PhD, I got married, I had an amazing daughter. I had like a lake house. And each time I was like, okay, I made it. And all yeah, I had to do was yeah. like work harder, you know, it was like a little anticlimactic yeah. to say that those things aren't amazing. But like, you know, if you enjoy the journey, like you get to have that the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I have a lot of clients who are in, you know, they're, they've been in their businesses. They have the success. Mm-hmm. They have the six and seven figure incomes and things like that. And they're still striving. They're still hustling. And they still feel like they need more. Right. And not that it's like ever bad to like have dreams or goals, but it's like, it hasn't given them the satisfaction because we think we want the things, but what we really want is the way we think the things are going to make us feel. Absolutely. Right. And so, yeah, the hack is then like how, and you can't create a life that feels really good if you can't feel really good here and now. Right. So it's like, people may look at me now and be like, oh, she's like having, you know, consistent take 10 key months in her business. And like, she's got like all these things going for her and she is like doing this and this and this and X and Y and Z. And like, she's like a pretty white blonde girl. And like, it must be so easy for her to like, feel good and like be in pleasure and like have a good life and like get paid with ease and receive and like all of these like kitschy little marketing things that we say right and they may look at me and say like oh yeah that must be easy for her because like she has this really great life but the thing is is that I created it by choosing to feel the pleasure and the joy and the peace and cultivating those things when my circumstance did not allow for that, when my circumstance was a shit show and like I had no reason to feel peace. I had every reason to feel stress. I had no reason to feel pleasure. I didn't feel safe in my body and in my nervous system. It was really hard to play 
because I felt like I didn't have permission to because I needed to work more and I had like the pressure. How dare you like fuck off and go like play and spend a day at the beach with your kids. You got bills to pay, bitch. You need to be slaving away on the internet, right? And like when I had all of that- That sounds like a generator talking. (laughs) Yeah, and like nothing- looked good externally, I had to choose to feel good. I had to choose to find the peace. I had to choose to give myself permission to be in pleasure. I had to choose to find safety in my body. And that was what helped create now the external projections of those feelings that I felt when I had zero logical reason to feel any of the things. That's so amazing. Um, One of the big things I love to talk about is like what I call the divine feminine revolution, which I feel like is really peaking out like in 2021. And obviously like we've had a lot of feminine energy happening, but you can really see as some of these like kind of patriarchal things are, you know, closing um, and collapsing. So like, you know, it sounds like a lot of your work is empowering women. I think you've already given so many major tips with that. Um, Tell me what's your version of that? One of the gene keys talks about magic and it talks about how all you need to create magic is some structure and an open mind. The structure being the masculine, the open mind being the feminine. And so I think it's really important that we create structures in our lives and our businesses Mm -hmm. that support that open mind. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of people in the online space and in coaching and like the spiritual realm who talk about the feminine and they basically sell this dream that like, you can just like masturbate in the bathtub all day long and like millions of dollars will rain down on you. (laughs) and like the truth is is like you're just gonna have like a very sore clitoris probably (laughs) right I'm glad you busted that myth however (laughs) if that's all you do you're gonna be very wrinkly and horny and like your lady bits are gonna be very sore um and you're probably not gonna have millions of dollars the bills will start to pile up on you right because like you can't just like be in feminine flow and the thing is is that like being in your feminine and like, like masculine, feminine, ease, flow. These are energies and attitudes. These are postures of the heart and spirit that we bring into things. I can be in total feminine flow and work for 18 hours straight because I'm in my creativity. I'm in my pleasure. I am gestating and birthing, right? And it looks like I'm working really hard, but I'm actually in my feminine and I can lay in bed. I just wrote a post about this the other day. I can lay in bed and watch Netflix in complete masculine hustle when I'm laying in bed, Netflix thinking if I get into my feminine, I stop doing so much and I just allow myself to be, then I will be able to create and receive. And as soon as you get into that means to an end energy, you're, you're bastardizing and co-opting feminine energy for your masculine purpose. so it's not about what you're actually doing it's about who you're being when you're doing it and that's where a lot of people are getting it wrong because you can like yes do I love a good bubble bath do I love to get my hair and nails done do I love a good self-pleasure sesh do like I love to do like all of the the fancy like pleasure actions yes But if I'm doing them while I'm feeling stressed out about my money, stressed out about my time, Mm -hmm. running my to-do list in the back of my head, wondering why I'm laying in bed watching Selling Sunset Mm -hmm. all day and my, you know, my PayPal notifications aren't blowing up because I'm relaxing and I'm in receiving mode, damn it. (laughs) Right? Like, like the energy is still off. I'm still hustling in my heart. And so you really have to shift that and and it has to be a place you come from not a place you're getting to oh my gosh I'm having so many powerful insights here so I guess what I <laughs> my daughter's totally like sneaking into this session um I'm shocked my none of my three have come in <laughs> she's busted in I even I'm here for door. like all the humanity of it I when I have- first started my business like in 2018 when I was like still living at my mom's house and like doing my first group programs if you go back and you watch those my one daughter who was like 
one or two at the time is like in every single video. She's sitting on me. She's nursing. She's like, you know, um, I'm changing her clothes. Like, and I just always made it a rule in my business that me being a mother is again, like about being all the parts of you is a part of who I am. And there's room for like all of my humanity and that I don't have to be some like perfect, like robo again, I'm not in a boardroom at a, at a company, like being employed by someone like this is a part of my life. It's a part of who I am. And instead of like my kids interrupting or anything, being something that people looked at and saw as unprofessional, it was going to be something that inspired other moms to know like, Oh, Hey, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I can do it too. Even though I have all these crazy kids running around and sometimes they interrupt me during my calls or screaming in the background of my boxes that's fine because we get to be like whole ass humans. I love that so much. And I think just seeing those like mompreneurs show up where they're like literally on a live nursing is just like, you know, so inspiring. It's like, wow, if you can go live with like a baby on your tit, like that is the new paradigm, you know? I would like change diapers while like I was like on, while I was like teaching a course, like and I think we're raising the next generation of like coaches and revolutionaries and, you know, feminine CEOs by, by, you know, yeah. like my girls. And gonna- it's a really great way to like model for your kids. Like you don't have to choose, right? The world wants us to work like we don't have kids and raise our kids like we don't work. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. why do these have to be opposing forces? Like I'm here to create the world where we get to do all of the things that like, again, and be all of the parts of us at the same time, even when our kids are hanging on us and interrupting us because like, that's part of life. And like, what a fucked up society we have created where we, it's a bad thing to have to take care of your kids and that that somehow disqualifies you mm-hmm. when really it should That's qualify you more because like, multitask, right? like but motherfuckers <laughs> right like I dare anybody else to get as much done in a day or at the same time as I do exactly like I'll put money down if anyone wants to like challenge me on that like <laughs> feel free to come at me like especially like a man in like a corporate position like I challenge you to take care of as many things in a day as like I do. Cause I'm running a six figure business. I'm raising three kids. I'm schooling them. We're learning how to read. I'm also doing laundry and like feeding meals and everything. Like, um, I've got a quick question for you. Like I was having so many yeah. moments as you were ripping and you were giving so much permission and integrating so many things that I've learned in pieces. So I just wanted to step back and like ask you just from a really simple point of view, like, how do you view feminine energy and how do you view masculine? Cause I love the interplay of what you were just talking about. Yeah. So I think in reality, when you pull it back to its simplest part, it's, it always comes back to the harmony of the two, that it's not separate. It's not like I'm doing masculine things or I'm being feminine, right? Like, it's all about integrating the two into this one harmonious energy of, like, I do and I be at the same time. And when I, like, and the reality is, is that, you know, the feminine is, is the creator, right? Is that, is that open void of, of the being and who you be will always dictate what you do. Mm-hmm. always it is always going to dictate what you do so we focus a lot on the the masculine on the structures on the strategy right or even on like the mindset and things that we typically think of as feminine but when we are using them as strategy they tend to wiggle over into masculine a little bit more right? Because it's still, you're in that doing energy. I have to do mindset work for an hour a day. I have to do pleasure. I have to, right? And you don't want to do pleasure. You don't want to do mindset. You want to be pleasure. You want to be mindset. You want to shift the way you show up. You want to shift the way you exist. You want to shift the way you feel when you wake up in the morning. You want to shift the way that you think about things. You want to shift your core beliefs. And then all that doing part like comes very easy. And like I said earlier, and this is something that like, um, like my coach, and I know you're in peace school, like Julia, 
Wells always talks about is like the strategy that works is the strategy that you work. Like all strategies work when you work them and you stay committed to them and you just like kind of lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat for enough time. Um, and that's because the doing like shifts as you're being. And so it's really about shifting who you, who you are. And then all the, all the other stuff figures itself out. So do you think you have to like do it enough times to kind of become it? Or do you have any tips for like, like I'm a generator. So even though I think of myself as like, you know, Miss Feminine, a lot of times my trap is in doing and sometimes the overgiving, which I kind of thought was hyper feminine, really it's masculine, right? So like, what are some tips on just being? So that's actually really deep work. Yeah. Right. It's the being part is like, that's where like the really deep metaphysical type work comes in um, because you're talking about like shifting your actual beliefs. Now, I mean, in a very simple way, like, yes, you can be dedicated to your mindset and you can like show up every single day in your journals, in your affirmations and like repeat the same things over and over and over and over again. For me, one of the things that shifted the most, right? Especially for the people who are like highly intellectual and like know all the things, right? Like I have a PhD in fucking personal development. Not really, but like honorary, right? I don't know. I don't think there is such a thing as PhD in personal development. But if there was, I haven't like, right? And it got me fucking nowhere. Mm -hmm. It got me nowhere to read all of the books, to listen to all of the coaches, to watch all, to join a hundred, you know, and spend all my money on trainings and courses and things and bring it all up here. And one of the things that really shifted it for me was um, bringing it down. And I did that while I use many different things, including human design and everything. One of the main ways I did that was through silent meditation, which is terrifying for most people. And what I really did was I like sat down every single day and I honestly, I started at one minute and every day I increased it by a minute. So I did one minute on like the first of the month and then two minutes on the second of the month. And by the end of the month, I was at like 30 minutes of just like sitting there in silence. And I didn't try and like make it mean anything. I didn't try and like clear my head and get into like nothingness. What I really just focused on was feeling what I wanted to feel in like my heart space. Mm. So like I always find that like when you put your hands like here, it automatically like drops you down. Mm, oxytocin, good oxytocin meditation there. It immediately drops you down. You can be like all up in your head. And like the second you go here, like your attention just like, it comes like pulls right down into your body. And I just like focused on expanding that feeling for like a little bit more every day. Like I am full, I am complete. I have everything that I need. I don't even have needs. Like everything I need in this moment. And here's the thing. If you can sit in that moment and you can get really, really present in that moment, you literally need nothing. When I'm sitting here meditating, it doesn't matter if my, my bills are stacking up. It doesn't matter if I'm having problems in my relationship. It does, nothing matters because in this moment, I have everything I need. And that can be 100% truth for that moment there. And if you can like lock into that feeling over and over and over again, a little bit more every, every day, but like, I have everything I need. I am so full and complete. My life feels so, it feels so good to be here. I am full. I am in overflow. I have joy. I have peace because in this moment, my focus is to meditate. I can be stressed about everything when I get off my mat. Mm -hmm. When I get off my mat, it, go ahead, be, be all the stress, be all the hot mess that you need to be off your mat. Find time every single day to get to your mat and like just be there for those few minutes. And then you'll watch those feelings and that attitude. And then eventually the, the actual physical manifestations walk away with you off your mat after a certain amount of time. That's so huge. We would like use that as a mindfulness practice. Can you just like go like a minute or five minutes for whatever for your practice without having a problem? Because it's like we're addicted to more, like whether it's destination addiction or more problems. 
it's just like the human mind is always just like trying to grasp at the next thing or strive. Yeah. So it's like, I don't need a client today. I don't need someone to buy my program in like in this moment, in this moment, I don't need someone to do that. I don't need somebody to buy. I don't need a client. I don't need the money. I don't need the resolution. I don't need the certainty. I don't need anything. I'm like just here to be here. I love that so much. And I I sort of had the metaphor of like, you know, like an egg is the feminine energy. And what does she do? She just sits there and ripens and waits. And then the sperm is the masculine energy that's on a mission. Yeah. And so like, you know, I think sometimes we get so focused on like swimming around trying to find people and really we need to open to receive. So I just feel like the work that you do is so powerful. So tell us all the things like, what are you selling? How can we work with you? Where do we find you? I'm actually starting my new program. It's called the Play Day Payday. And this is a 12-week um, program on creating your 10K months with ease, with flow, with pleasure, with play. Um, you know, I always say like my Play Day Paydays look like, you know, being able to like live a, live my life and not work it all the time. It's taking my kids to the beach and having sales come through. It's waking up this morning to a bunch of PayPal notifications while I was asleep and being like, oh, wow, like I already hit my daily income goal and I like haven't even gotten out of bed yet, right? I'm feeling so good, right? So it's like, it's a combination of like, we're going to talk about this, you know, really getting your, your goals and your vision like on lock and in a way that it's your vision and not the vision that's been handed to you right? Not the vision that the industry or that the world or that your conditioning has told you you're supposed to have, but like, what do you actually really fucking want? And like, if you allowed yourself to dream dangerously, what would that look like? You know, the actual strategy of things, like how do we laser in on the things that move the needle in our business so we can work more effectively, so we can work less and live more and get more bang for our buck. There's a lot of things in your business that people are doing at all levels that you don't need to be freaking doing, right? Some things you can outsource, some things just are really unimportant. And so like, how do we clear that off and laser and like, what's actually moving the needles? What's actually bringing money in for you? How do we get rid of the rest so you can like actually show up more? We're also going to talk about um, getting out of a situationship, I call it with your business, which most people are in, um, which is where your business and your sales and like your bottom line are really dictating the way you feel. And when you're running an online personal brand, it's really easy to get wrapped up in this entanglement with your business, where if you don't book the client, if you don't get the sales, that it means something about you. And so how do we separate ourselves when we are our business, right? And your business is like an extension of you. How do you keep that separation and have those boundaries that allow you to feel good regardless of what's happening in your business, regardless of what's happening in your bank account? Because that's one of the number one traps I see keep people stuck forever. And it totally is um, a trap. Um, so Miss Luna wants to show her, talk about play day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She wants to show her drawing. Her and her dad were looking for Bigfoot earlier. So you want to show us? Ooh. Okay. She drew a little Bigfoot moment here. <laughs> I love that. We did yeah, like great a whole. sort of analogy for business because sometimes it can be like we're searching for the Bigfoot moment and it just like is a little bit out of grasp. And so I love what you're talking about because I feel like you really like integrate a lot of, you know, these little pieces that you hear that you're like, huh, like, okay, I get that. But like, what does that mean? I feel like you really like put that all into like one big picture that makes sense. So yeah. So then we're bringing like pleasure in, like receiving, like anchoring it all in. It's a, it's really a comprehensive program that actually was built to also be like a really good pair for anything else that you're doing, because it's about learning how to take all of this up here and bring it down, which we're going to do through, I've got module, you know, biweekly modules. We're going to do biweekly coaching call where everyone gets in the hot seat and you know, so that there's individual coaching. So I'm really in your, in your life and in your business with you. There's embodiment workshops, which are like all the fun. Cause basically we just like, it's a combination of like, church and like burlesque <laughs> like we're gonna show up we're gonna med- we're gonna meditate we're gonna pray we're gonna do mindset work we're gonna journal we're gonna shift some shit and then we're gonna like twerk to Brittany <laughs> that's amazing well gosh I want to sign up I may be sliding your dms thank you so much for this conversation it has been amazing and you yes, know yes thank you for having me oh my god I'm like so fired up I love how you've integrated everything it's so powerful yeah Lena's. Yeah.
Oh, Bigfoot's growling. Oh, yeah. And he's throwing a rock. Okay. Hitting a tree. I love her so much. Oh, this is Miss Luna. Yeah, she's she's got the makeup to be the revolutionary. I love it. So thank you so much for your time. And I have just gotten so, you know, good juiciness out of this conversation. And um, everybody go find Kelly and get some business coaching, get your payday, play date. (laughs) If I said that right, it might've been the mom version of it. Play day, payday. Play day, payday. And you know, I was realizing that with her, like we sometimes get so busy hustling that it's like we forget to like slow down and play. And then we miss these moments that are so amazing if we can just like surrender to them and it sounds like that's really a lot of what you teach and it's so needed in this world and it sounds like you've earned yeah. it through <laughs> you know Thank rising you. above the struggle like living the life you want and you know being like the mompreneur I love it so much so thank you so much for being on and we'll be in touch feel free to drop your links Thank you. below Allison I will okay bye hun take care bye Thanks for listening to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.